0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Awakening Bodies podcast. You are in for a treat, and I mean that quite literally. We have Sage Dammers, CEO, founder, and master chocolatier at Addictive Wellness. They're doing some incredible work innovating chocolate, using top-of-the-quality cacao imported from Ecuador, infused with superfoods, adaptogens, herbs, to bring us a holistic health through the food that we eat. And yes, it is chocolate, and yes, it's quite delicious. We've had some ourselves, highly recommend. Now, as we hear through the conversation, Sage is full of knowledge, wisdom, and practical tools. We invite you, you take out pen and paper. You may have to listen to this many times, and if you haven't signed up for the newsletter just yet, go down below, do so. We're going to be sending a link that allows you to get a discount on the chocolate that you purchase, because again, it's delicious, and it's literally one of the most healthiest thing you could ever ingest into your body. All right, let's go. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Awakening Bodies podcast. This is a special conversation. We have Sage Dammers here from Addictive Wellness. Now, this is beautiful because this is how technology is bringing people together in ways in which we maybe would have never connected. We met Sage through an email that we received from, I don't remember her name. I think her name was Veronica. And she connected us to Addictive Wellness, had a conversation with Sage, and here we are now which is going to be, again, a really valuable conversation. Sage is the co-founder and CEO, product formulator, and master chocolatier of addictive wellness. He's dedicated his life to the pursuit of holistic wellness and nutrition. Beginning his journey as a curious teenager, Sage ventured beyond conventional education to immerse himself in the ancient herbal systems and nutritional practices of indigenous cultures, especially Taoistic, uh, tonic herbalism. So excited to explore that. You've been throughout the whole world, man. You've worked with a number of leaders in their, uh, with a number of world's leading herbalists and nutritionists in all over from China to Indonesia to Australia, Central America, and the US, just to name a few. Addictive Wellness right now is doing some amazing work, specifically in the holistic health with some incredible chocolates, which Man, thank you for sending over that care package. We, It's funny how quickly we went through and we we're so bummed. That oh, I'm so glad you enjoyed gone,
1: it.
0: <laughs> for sure. For sure. When they were gone, we're like, oh, okay, we got to get some more. We got to get some more. I'm really uh, excited for this stage because you guys are bringing some awesome innovation into the superfood space with adaptogens to be able to bring a really healthy rendition to what we normally eat in the Western world is just chocolate. But you're making it in a way that really supports our health. With, while also keeping it delicious. So I'm really excited for this conversation, Sage. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having me and giving me a chance to share about some stuff that I'm so passionate about. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So
0: our community here at Awakening Bodies, uh, as I shared with you when we first connected, you know, we have three things. We have faith, self-mastery, and holistic health. And when we were speaking, uh, self-mastery is something that for me, when it comes to just life in general, and then we add business to the picture, it's like a big conversation that opens up uh, for others, the opportunity to also maybe learn some tools for themselves that can support them in their careers and their families and their relationships and their faith. I want to ask you first, specifically with Addictive Wellness, uh, I understand that in your teenage years, you, got, um, you started to explore some uh, alternative treatments and, and nutrition. How did Addictive Wellness come about as an
1: actual entity in a business? When I was, as you mentioned, in my teen years, I had the good fortune to already start getting a bit into the health world. I, I grew up in a family that was very health oriented. And for example, my parents had a wellness center since I was 14 years old, where they had infrared saunas way before that was a cool thing. They had infrared heated Jade massage beds, and they sold some different superfood products after a little while. And so I was you know, working there from a young age and got to see the kind of people that were coming through, and it was mostly people in, I would say their 50s and 60s, whose health had already started to decline, and they were working to try to rebuild it, and I would see them rebuild it successfully and, and have you know, their back pain go away or their knee pain go away or just um, see some benefits with like dealing with Lyme disease suffering, but I got to thinking, what if I got onto some of this stuff that these people are doing now? Before I develop any health problems, what could that mean for the potential for me in terms of not just longevity of life, but longevity of amazing experiences? It's kind of that idea of health span versus lifespan. Like, what an amazing life could I possibly live if I dodged the bullet of back pain and whatever other chronic illnesses kind of catch up with most people? And so I got into starting taking infrared saunas when I was like in my early to mid teens. And then they were also selling some natural health consumable products there. One of which was this mix from this local guy of some hemp protein and spirulina and chlorella and some other you know Western herbs like milk thistle, for example, and dandelion. Mm-hmm. And this guy who sold it was he was ripped he was like in his 40s but he looked like he could be in his late 20s. He was super <laughs> smart and I, you know me as I was like 18 19 when I met him. I thought wow. I I want literally everything this guy has got. He's a successful entrepreneur. He's he's ripped, super smart and he's obviously succeeding at the longevity game because you, you would never guess that he's in his 40s. And so I said, okay, I'm going to, he says he has this drink twice a day. I'm going to at least have it once a day. And I didn't know what I was doing. I just would blend it up with some Tropicana orange juice and some frozen berries and a frozen banana. And I would drink it and it tasted like dirt. And (laughs) I didn't care because I was like, I'm going to get those benefits. I'm going to get what this guy has. And I started noticing after a few days of having it, I would feel this incredible clarity and just almost like a high but totally clear afterwards. Hmm. And it got me thinking like, I've never felt this way before, and if I've been missing out on this all this time, what else have I been missing out on? And this kind of sent me off down this rabbit hole that I still have never emerged from, where (laughs) the better you feel from doing healthy choices, the more you want to learn about what else is out there. The more you learn, the more new stuff you incorporate, the more new stuff you incorporate the better you feel, the better you feel, the more you get excited to go out and learn more. So that, like I said, hasn't stopped yet. It just keeps going. But what happened is that I realized eventually, once you get to a certain level in, in fixing your own health and taking your health further, you wanna share it with other people. It's only natural. It's sort of the hero's journey. If you go out on, and on this amazing adventure, you find the truth, And you want to bring it back to your community. But I was really careful about it. I was in college. People were into partying. I I would go out and party too, but I would bring my own special natural, make me feel good drink. But I, I was a little bit nervous to like, you know, feel in any way like I was pushing this on other people. I just wanted to have friends. It'd be cool. But I eventually went on a surf trip with a bunch of friends to Costa Rica and Mm-hmm. I would go out and surf for five or six hours and be feeling great. And they would, after two hours, you know, be getting tired and want to come in and, and rest and eat and drink. And they would see that I was, I was traveling with my little NutriBullet blender and I would, I would be like, actually it was before even the NutriBullet, this is like the early magic bullet, tiny little blender I days. I remember them. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you remember, everybody seen those commercials back in the day. And, I would just be in the corner of the of our room, blending up these drinks, and I wasn't saying anything. I was I didn't want these guys to think I was pushing on them or being weird. But eventually, they started asking, like, "Hey, could you maybe make me one of those?" Mm. And keep in mind, my friends, they were hardcore partiers. Um, of course, lots of alcohol, but it was also really the height of the prescription painkiller epidemic, and so they're they were dealing with lots of toxicity. And sometimes Mm. when you have high levels of toxicity happening in your body, and you take something that's powerfully detoxifying, you go into what's called the Herxheimer reaction, where it's it's also called the healing crisis, where your body struggles to get the toxins out fast enough. And so short term, you can actually end up feeling a little bit worse as it struggles to deal with that. And sometimes during that, your body will try to get the toxins out the fastest way possible. And sometimes that's back out the same way they came in. And so two out of the four guys were literally throwing up within minutes and they were all like, oh, this is so gross. I can barely drink this. Like I got to pinch my nose and try to swallow it. And I had a realization from that, which is that if I was going to have any meaningful long-term benefit beyond just myself in terms of health, I was going to have to figure out a way to actually win on flavor. Making things that taste like dirt is not going to work for the majority of the population. People aren't going to touch it. They don't care how good it is could potentially long-term make them feel. Mm-hmm. And I realized I want to get so good at making things taste amazing that people will want to eat it and drink it simply because it tastes amazing. And it just so happens to be incredible for their health as an afterthought. And around this same time, I had started to learn more and more about the benefits of cacao in my research that had been a, become a big focal point for me. And it was a weird one because when I first came across the idea of cacao as a superfood, this is strange. It's like, wait a second. I'm used to like Hershey's hot chocolate mix. This is the closest mental comparison point that I had to this. And that was never something you would consider as healthy. Mm. And this was bizarre because you kind of have this great divide in the health world where on one end of the spectrum, you have. The foods that are really bad for you but taste amazing yeah. people love them on the other end of the spectrum you have the foods that are really good for you but generally people consider them to taste bad and there's not much that goes between these two worlds it's like the grand canyon there's not really a bridge that goes across but mm. i realized wait a second there's this one little bridge built out of chocolate going across this great divide <laughs> what if this could be the ultimate gateway health food this can get people started and it's something that can actually act as a delivery vehicle for some of the greatest herbs in the world as well because so many of the the herbal extracts that i love working with have a little bit of some bitter flavors to them but they can also deliver some incredible benefits deliver some incredible benefits so I, realize, I so realized these have some great so bitter have some aftertaste. Bitter to them. aftertaste. To them. And the bitter, and the is, bitter the is the medicine. Really there. Really there. So that made so me think. That made me think, well, How can we how hide, how can this, we bitter hide this bitter flavor? Because this is not going to be, be acceptable for the, for the, mainstream, for the mainstream American, American palate. palate. Hmm. So so cacao. Cacao. Interestingly, interestingly has this has bitter this flavor. Bitter flavor. And it's one of the rare bitter flavors that people have actually accepted. Accepted. There are people in the there Western world, in the Western they're, world okay with it. they're okay with it. So so I thought, okay, we I can, thought, get, okay, these we can herbs get these herbs in the chocolate. In the chocolate and this is and the, this delivery, is the of delivery of it, not only for not all, all the for health all benefits, benefits chocolate, chocolate, but also but for, also some, for some, some of the most incredible herbs in the world. world. And while we're at it, I was, dealing, it, I was with dealing with recovering from candida and some other related issues from taking too many antibiotics when I was younger. And from this, I I had to do somewhat of a a sugar-free diet. diet. So I said, okay, let's make this chocolate also also sugar-free in the cleanest cleanest, and healthiest healthiest way possible. possible. So that's that's... what brought this this product to a a point of creation, first for myself personally, and then it got to the point where I was making it for friends and friends of friends, and it's like, okay, this is ready to actually be turned into a business, and let's see if we can get this to the wider world. Well, what was the timeline between that First
0: time when you were well, not the first time, but when you were starting to share in the drink to now, when you said, "Okay, let me actually make this a full-on business that I can now start to scale and bring more value to the to the marketplace." With it was
1: about six years. In, six in, years. Yeah, that's a uh-huh. good time. Yeah, there was. I was doing other a lot of other stuff during that time, and of course, when it first started, like I was still in college. But yeah, uh, it, in also in the time in between, I had a, some very exciting adventures doing setups of tonic elixir bars in five-star hotels. Because I was basically trying to figure out how can I deliver my love for, not just for cacao, but for the most powerful herbs and superfoods in the world to a a wide audience of people. So Mm. uh, I had the great opportunity to do two of these elixir bar setups, uh, one in Paris and one in Sydney. And it was a great opportunity to get people tasting these things and experiencing them and feeling them who may have otherwise never encountered them. But ultimately it I realized that going with a, a, a products type of business, like a, a chocolate bar type business, you can actually reach more people faster. And so so it felt even more aligned with, you know, my greater mission. Mm, so beautiful. So I was just about to go into the greater mission because you're obviously
0: before you the idea of preventative medicine is so interesting to me. I grew up in Colombia, South America. So like for me, it was very different when I came into the States and started to realize the difference of cultures, specifically with food. That was the biggest mm-hmm. culture shock that I got, uh, specifically in the amount of food that we received. I remember the first time I went to a restaurant with my family and I got this plate and I was like, I'm supposed to eat that. <laughs> it's like, a, it's like <laughs> three days worth of food. I can't eat all of that. But then I started to see the consequences of that. On top of just the quantity, the the quality, what the, what the food was made of. And then fast forward years later, as I'm now understanding the power of food and how important it is to keep it clean, uh, realizing that if I'm not preventative in the way in which I feed myself, I'm going to have some large consequences down the road. What specifically for you growing up was it being with your family that uh, was health conscious, but specifically for you drew that mission to be able to bring that preventative medicine through food to to others?
1: It was seen a lot of people suffer through mm. my parents having a wellness center. I got to see the amazing journey to getting better as well, but I, I got to see how messed up people were. Every, like everybody who came in there was unhealthy. Everybody who came in there was complaining. I've got, I've got back pain. I've got prostate issues. I've got cancer. I've, the, the list was endless and it didn't seem like a reality i wanted to step into where you're 50 or 60 years old and and your body's falling apart and every day is suffering and so first it started with how can i avoid this how can i take advantage of this knowledge that i've been placed in the pathway of by the grace of god and save myself from this and and build myself a little epic life that's going to last for a very long time Mm -hmm. and then how can I help other people with this? How can I, how can I use these blessings that have been bestowed upon me to help others on, in, 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 a similar way to also maximize their life potential. Mm. Amen, amen. Amen. So good. So then how did you end up studying herbalism and getting
0: to the Taoist world?
1: As I was getting more and more, I started, you know, I started learning about some different superfoods in the being, Like I was learning about hemp protein and and getting into like hemp seeds spirulina chlorella and then i started seeing oh there's this this other little range here of things that have similar but more powerful benefits and this is this class of tonic herbs a lot of people have never heard about this but these are things like reishi mushroom and astragalus or ginseng is probably the most famous tonic herb although a lot of the ginseng that people consume is so low quality it wouldn't be considered tonic Mm. but Ideally, the the real high-quality ginseng is a tonic herb. And the idea of these herbs is that they are adaptogenic in nature. They're not taken to push your body in one direction or the other. They're taken to build your adaptability and strengthen your body's own self-regulating mechanisms, your body's ability to keep the blood sugar at the right level, your body's ability to keep the energy at the right level, your body's ability to keep a balanced immune system that's not overactive or underactive. And they each have slightly different benefits, and you know we can talk about many individual ones. And it, for some people, it can get overwhelming to hear about so many new and different herbs that they've never heard of before. But I would say before we even get into it, I will preface it by saying, if you hear about one that's interesting to you particularly, and you want to try that one, that's amazing. You don't need to start on ten different herbs at once. You could take one herb and have it be something that opens up a whole new chapter in your health. So even just one thing is enough. And these herbs specifically, when we talk about Taoist tonic herbalism, this is an ancient school of herbalism that goes back well over 2000 years of written records and always going, you know, all the way back to Li Qi Shen who, who wrote the divine farmers Materia Medica many thousands of years ago. And in this system, you have some really interesting classifications of these herbs and a whole system of how to understand your health. That was totally different from anything I had ever heard of before. And it really inspired me and, and made me feel empowered and it gave me a whole new way of thinking about my health. And the basis of this is what's called the three treasure system. And it's a way of looking at health and also a way of categorizing how herbs work on the body and, the way this works is the first treasure is jing this is like the wax and the wick of your candle this is your essence and your form now you'll hear me use this candle metaphor this is kind of the old school original metaphor that they would use but i like to use uh, like a modern financial metaphor as well that's a little bit easier to understand so the jing j-i-n-g is like your savings account it's your deep energy reserves and it's you start out by inheriting this from your parents so it's kind of like in the beginning your trust fund some people yeah. end up with a, a fat trust fund uh and and they have like this abundance of energy they never really have to take care of their health they kind of make fun of people who have to take care of their health because they're just doing pretty good and they're partying drinking smoking right? and <laughs> they're like they're, they seem to be in pretty good health until a heart attack hits them at age yeah. 57. but. These people never have to really learn to take care of their health because they were blessed with such an abundance. However, there's you know of course upsides and downsides to that. But on the other hand, some people don't inherit this trust fund of health. Maybe their parents, uh, their their diet wasn't that great. Their nutrition wasn't on point. They had lots of stress. They didn't grow up in the healthiest environment. Generational trauma. You know there there can be Mm. all kinds of causes. But some people don't inherit such great health from their parents, and they're the kind of people who always have to be on top of it just to stay at like an even level of health. And they really got to be careful and take care of themselves. The blessing there is that you learn so much about health because you have to. And Mm. so you can build back this jing through your life, through your decisions. And so you can build it through a very nutrient dense diet. For example, you can build it through certain Taoist yoga practices. You can build it by taking Jing building herbs. Things here would be, for example, Hoshu Wu, Eucomia, Cordyceps, Sestanch, Morinda, Ramania. And um, we put these all in, we have a chocolate in our line called a recharge chocolate because it's meant to like recharge your energy reserves that we put all those in there. And so that's your Jing, that's your savings account. And that's just the first candle. The next one is your Qi. This is a term that people have heard of quite a bit in the mainstream. Qi is your moment to moment active energy, vitality, cognitive function, immune system function. It's the active part. It's the flame of the candle or in the financial metaphor, it's your checking account. It's where you're making your daily deposits and withdrawals. If you are expending too much energy, you're spending too much money more than what you're regularly getting into that checking account. Oh, now you got to dip into your savings. And that's where you go depleting your Jing. If you're not sleeping enough, if you're partying too hard, if you're doing drugs, alcohol, not eating well, stressing a lot. these all are going to deplete your jing effectively d- diminishing your vitality and shortening your life but if you are generating yeah. enough chi on a daily basis through chi supportive herbs things like cordyceps and astragalus um ginseng is another great one um, either korean ginseng or american ginseng uh, even from the um, ayurvedic system ashwagandha would kind of fit into this world as well if you have enough if you have enough income coming into that checking account you can do a lot more and have a more exciting life if you have abundant, active energy. And that's the second treasure. But the ultimate purpose of a candle isn't just to have a, be big and have a big flame. It's to give off a great light. Just like the ultimate purpose in life is not just to have a fat checking account. It's to have a beautiful impact on the world around you. So here we get into the third treasure, the ultimate treasure. This is called the shen. And this is your higher self, it's the light in your eyes, and your ability to have a a beautiful impact on those around you and the whole world around you. And you can't have a very big light coming off if you're a little birthday candle. So it starts with building your Jing and building your Chi, and from that, you get to have a beautiful Shen. Just like uh, in in the financial metaphor, this is your nonprofit. And you're not gonna have a very successful nonprofit that helps thousands and thousands of people. If your personal finances are in total disarray, if your if your savings and your checking account are, are totally depleted. So it starts by building your basic foundations of health and vitality, and then you can have this beautiful impact on those around you. And there are specific shantonic herbs, things like reishi mushroom and albizia flower and pearl powder would be examples in this category. So, um, And then you get some three-treasure tonic herbs, like reishi mushroom that I just mentioned. It actually builds jing, chi, and shen. So as an initial herb to start out with, if you want something that's going to cover a lot, jing, chi, shen, it's one of the greatest immune-balancing herbs. It's amazing for stress. That's one of my personal favorites.
0: Oh, man, I love it. You're such a wealth of, of, of knowledge and information. And it's not just information, like you're able to apply it. Yeah, no, for sure, man, listening to some of the conversations. And if you're listening to this one, I invite you to go and check out Sage on many other conversations that that are on YouTube, because it really showed me just the amount of of knowledge that can be applied for our health and how you just heard right there, a small blurb of what we can put to use. I mean, I got Rishi downstairs, but I didn't know that it touched all on three, the different candle wicks, which is a, a metaphor I've heard you use before. But now to know that it actually touches on that—that's really cool to to now implement into my own life. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, for yourself right now with with where, like, one of the key things with longevity, right? People like Brian Johnson, for example. I'm, I'm sure you know of course that name, right? With, with with longevity, how would you say that we in our society, Western culture, 2024? I almost said three, 2024. How can we set ourselves up in a way to have a Increase our longevity um, while at the same time not be so caged as, again, Brian Johnson is a good example of someone that wants to live about a very long time but is very specific in his lifestyle, which I respect fully. But maybe for someone that looks to improve their health but is limited in, let's say, time and resources, what would you say they could do to start to improve on that?
1: Yeah. The, one of the things I'm always interested in is things that you can do for your health that take minimal amount of time and yes. zero to maybe a little bit of money. And so, and, and, and don't, don't interrupt your, your life too much because people have kids to take care of. People got work obligations, they got families. So some people have the opportunity to to dedicate all day to their health, Brian Johnson style. But for some people, mm-hmm. it's gotta be super easy or it's just not gonna happen. First and foremost, I would say, do what you can for sleep optimization. And maybe your, your work and home life are so hectic that you can only spend six hours in bed. But even if you can't make that more, even if you can't get up into the ideal seven to nine hour window there, let's optimize those six hours. Let's figure out how you can spend as much of those six hours in REM sleep and deep sleep. And as little of that time as possible, getting up and going to the bathroom, rolling around, not being able to sleep and get the most out of that. So for example, here, you could take magnesium before going to sleep. Um, A pretty good form for this is magnesium glycinate that absorbs very well and is also very calming because of the glycine in there. An even better form is magnesium L-threonate, which has the best ability to cross the blood-brain barrier, actually raising brain levels of magnesium. And this also has an anti-aging effect on the brain. Mm. So it's pretty amazing. Um, You could take, if you have a problem waking up in the middle of the night, often it's because of a blood sugar dip that happens around three or four in the morning. For people in that situation, it can actually be really helpful to either to eat two kiwis before going to bed, which is, it's like a weird little hack, but it's actually shown to improve sleep quality and duration in a a number of different metrics. Or you could have a teaspoon of raw honey before going to bed. That also helps. It's also a a weird little thing that you think uh, what's a teaspoon of honey going to do everybody i share that with who actually does it comes back like wow i i didn't think it was going to do anything i kind of just tried it to prove you wrong and say look i tried it it didn't work (laughs) and it's actually totally changed my sleep it's incredible um you could take an herb like reishi mushroom before going to sleep you could um spend 10 minutes doing some form of uh, a a meditation or a yoga nidra before going to bed that is going to just change your your mental and physical state to be more conducive to a relaxing sleep you can sleep in a slightly colder environment that's going to save you some money to turn the thermostat down in your house <laughs> sleep colder and you actually get a more restorative sleep so so that's in in the sleep improvement department and when you improve your sleep there's pretty much no limit to the other areas of your health that that also impacts for sure for sure then, how would
0: you say light impacts
1: on the sleep oh oh how how light impacts your sleep You wanna be in a totally dark environment because when you're exposed to light, it's going to suppress your melatonin production. Melatonin is the sleep hormone. Pretty much everybody's heard of that one. And it also depends on the wavelengths of light that you're exposed to. So blue light, especially because this is in, in a natural world, you'd only be exposed to really blue light in the daytime. So blue light is a monster when it comes to suppressing your melatonin production. So blue light exposure in the morning Great, it wakes you up, it makes you feel alert. Blue light exposure in the evening, not so great. And people might think I don't have any blue lights in my house, what are you talking about? Most of your devices are giving off a lot of blue wavelengths of light, whether you're looking at your computer or your phone or your TV. And there's apps that you can install or actually in a lot of devices already built in. For example, in Apple devices, you have Night Shift that helps turn it a little bit more of an orange color, which is the opposite of the the blue wavelength and it's more natural to see orange and red light at night. For example, if you think back to your natural environment whereas you would see blue light from the the sun and the sky in the daytime, at nighttime, what are you seeing? Fire, orange and red Mm -hmm. light. So that's the natural light that doesn't disturb your melatonin release. So what you can do is you can of course have the night shift on your computer and your phone turned up to their highest but even that is not really that effective. Um, it, it's not it's still letting a lot of blue light through and so the further step that you can take there is on your phone we actually have a uh, like a tutorial on our YouTube channel about this um, that I can send you a link to but there's a place you can go in the settings where you can turn it so that at nighttime your phone is only red and black light black is not a light but just red red and black on the screen it takes away all other colors so you can still fully use your phone. You can make calls. You can text. You can. It's not as entertaining to go on Instagram when everything is just read. So it actually keeps you off your social media apps late at night, which is probably healthy as well. <laughs> and then on your computer, uh, you can install an app called Flux, F-L-U-X. It's a free app. And it has a, um, a mode called darkroom mode. It's the exact same thing. You do that at night on your computer. You can still get done what you need to do, but you're not messing with your melatonin production. And then when you're actually sleeping, get that room totally dark, get blackout curtains if you can, make sure there's no lights in the bedroom. Mm,
0: thank you for breaking it down like that. When I first learned about this through Andrew Huberman, the importance of light and how, I mean, my phone, when I first realized how, da- not dangerous, but how detrimental it was to my sleep and I stopped using my phone late at night or I shift up my, my settings, like you said, I even got the blue yeah. box nice. to, to help black out the light. It's been super supportive because I didn't realize how much strain I was actually going to sleep with until afterwards. And now there's days when let's say I'm out somewhere and I come home and there's a lot more light than usual. I feel a difference in my sleep. Definitely impacts. It's really yeah. good. Um, real quick back on the sleep and, and you bring up uh, with, with, the, with the herbs and everything. What is the difference between and does it impact if it's organic? Let's say with the honey, if it's organic versus conventional.
1: On a number of levels, yes. Um, in some levels, no, like worst case scenario, if you had conventional local raw honey, it's probably still gonna deliver some benefits for your sleep. I, I think it, just being conventional probably wouldn't interfere in that regard. However, getting glyphosate into your system as you're gonna find with uh, you know conventional agricultural products is suboptimal in a lot of ways it's it's very estrogenic it's bad for your gut health can lead to leaky gut and autoimmune issues long term so it's worth it for example with the you know taking a teaspoon of honey at night it's such a low cost thing you know you get yourself for i don't know 16 dollars 20 dollars maybe a like a, a half pound of of honey and that's going to last you a long time you're looking at pennies per serving here maybe maybe not pennies maybe dimes let's say mm-hmm. and so it's to just had that peace of mind that it's something I that's truly pure, and that you're not putting any support behind the the conventional agricultural world with the havoc that it's wreaking on the on everybody's bodies and and nature and all of that. I think it's sure. it's worth it if you if you got the couple of extra dollars to get an organic one, um, or at least connect. You know, maybe you go to a local farmers market, connect with a local farmer who and a local bee farmer who maybe doesn't have organic certification, but he tells you and you trust him that this is done in a totally organic Mm -hmm. way. I'm very supportive of that as well.
0: Yeah, I think it's a beautiful thing. That's, that's, I mean, everyone that most communities at least have some sort of, of markets that happen on a regular basis where you can connect with local farmers, local produce, that way you can actually get some live food because a lot of the food that we find at the stores have been on the shelves for. God knows how long on top of the shipping and traveling and all that. So the more live the food, the better. And I love what you're pointing here specifically around um, the glyphosate, because this is something that when I first learned about this, I saw the impact of it had with kids back in the 80s. I mean, autism skyrocketed shortly after it was being used consistently. Now it's something that's like it's it's a known but it's not really known the impact of it. Can you talk a little bit about what that impacts on the health and hormones specifically? I know you have a lot of knowledge as well in the hormone world.
1: Yeah, we I think we're only discovering the tip of the iceberg in terms of <sighs> glyphosate and the negative impacts that it has on the soil, which is the health of our soil is the health of us, like like the you can only grow as healthy of a food as the health of the soil. The the for example, the number of minerals in a food can't exceed the number of minerals in the soil. If the minerals aren't in the soil, the minerals aren't going to the food. So it's wrecking the the biodiversity of of microbes in the soil, for example. But then let's talk about what it's doing in our body. It's majorly estrogenic. And we're in a world today where our bodies are being bombarded very frequently with way too much estrogen. from, from the food supply, from plastics, um, even from touching receipts with their BPA on them. And we have seen a major decrease in, especially in guys, testosterone levels. Is Or if you compare them to where the average men's testosterone was 50 years ago, on average, it's a disaster. And hormones are a game of musical chairs. You have hormone receptors and they're gonna be taken up by something. You could have testosterone in there, or if you got way too much estrogen going on in your system, especially synthetic estrogens from things like glyphosate, these are going to take up those seats and testosterone, even if you have it, doesn't get into the receptor because some crappy glyphosate already got into that seat and is blocking it up. So it, wow. it's a, a, a real issue in terms of hormone balance and hormones are really like in a big way, the master switches for a lot of things. In your health, it's like they affect a lot of things upstream. When you get your hormone balance right, so many other things in your body fall into place. It's like we were talking about with when you get your your sleep right, a lot of other good things happen. There's almost a, a relationship between hormones and sleep. When your hormones are healthier, your sleep's going to be better. And it's great because when your sleep is better, it also benefits your hormones getting healthier. But it can go mm-hmm. the other way too. When your hormones are messed yeah. up, your sleep sucks. When your sleep sucks it ruins your hormone health so if you can get involved in benefiting your sleep or benefiting your hormones and kind of send things going in the other direction it can have a great domino effect
0: hmm, so beautiful man i remember when uh, lauren first started to explore hormone health and she was going through some uh, physical challenges that had her go through that it opened up my eyes again this is one of those things that i didn't know i didn't know about and that's the beauty beautiful thing and back to how you started the conversation the more we learn, the more we realize there's so much to learn, especially when we start to get into more of a preventative lifestyle and making sure that our health is at the top quality possible. With with hormonal health, um, so like what are what is the impact of food on hormonal health and then how can we ensure that the food that we're eating is best supporting our hormones in the way in which they are meant to be in our bodies?
1: One of the worst things that happened to Western and especially American hormonal health was the low-fat craze of the 90s, because hormones require fats to be made, especially cholesterol. Cholesterol is one of the most important hormonal precursors, and it's so maligned because people consider it to be a huge issue because of heart health. But it's really more the fact, as science is delving into it further, that cholesterol is the ambulance that shows up at the scene of scarring. In the heart to patch it up and fix things up but because they see that oh in in a lot of these situations where people have heart issues cholesterol is there they say oh cholesterol is the bad guy whereas cholesterol was Mm -hmm. like hey i was just here showing up you hurt yourself i was here trying to help i didn't cause the accident i was the ambulance that showed up right afterwards and so people have become very afraid of it and especially of uh, great dietary sources of cholesterol that we have available to us. But in most people's bodies, there's a few um, genetic anomalies here, but in the vast majority of people's bodies, blood cholesterol levels aren't even actually substantially influenced or changed by consumption of dietary cholesterol. But what you are getting mm-hmm. here is important hormonal precursors. There's you can look up online there's like a whole family tree of how hormones are made and processed in your body and right up near the top of that is cholesterol so having good healthy fats coming in not just things like olive oil but also looking towards healthy saturated fats whether it's mct oils coconut oils ghee um, grass-fed animal fats these are some serious building blocks for having healthy hormones in your system and some of the best things you can do. And then you wanna stay away from foods that could be, for example, overly estrogenic. We're looking at things like soy, in some cases, maybe even flax could be of concern here. And then you can look at some rare foods that are unique sources of phytoandrogens. And here you'd be looking at something like pine pollen, for example, which has been used for thousands of years in the Chinese systems, and this you can get it from a, a number of different kinds of pine trees. The one that was traditionally used with the most history of use is the mason pine. And this actually contains bioidentical testosterone and DHEA. So, this is very unique. We see a lot of phytoestrogens out there. You don't often see phytoandrogens like this. So, pine pollen is a pretty unique and cool substance.
0: No, It's so awesome. So again, the depth, the depth. And for anybody listening, if this is a bit too much for you, I get it. I understand that Sage is obviously going at at deeper levels than maybe most people are used to. And that's the beautiful part about you being here right now listening to this is to start to get an understanding as to how you can deeply, more deeply understand yourself, your health, and then take some new actions that can support you in stepping into your world and into your life and to your people around you from a much more holistic point of view you're pointing out to the, the the fat, I can't remember what the name of the documentary was that I was watching, but they were talking about how margarine was so much better than butter and they switched that up and people were, were they, they, they were seeing how heart attacks were skyrocketing, but it wasn't because of what they thought, which is what you're pointing to, the cholesterol. So let's say for somebody that's saying like, oh, I shouldn't be eating too much cholesterol. My doctor tells me that I shouldn't be eating too much cholesterol, um, and I don't really have any other data outside of that. What would you recommend for that person to, to to do, not necessarily to not listen to their doctor, but to maybe explore what else could be going on outside of just don't, take, uh, don't eat more eggs?
1: Another one of the greatest tools that we have available for our health these days is understanding our genetics. Mm. And f- like I said, for most people, dietary cholesterol is going to be a non-issue there is a smaller subset of the population for whom it could still potentially be problematic and they would have to take a more careful approach you can go to a company like 23andme have a genetic test done and don't even pay for their health package they try to charge you twice as much to pay for the health package but they are under certain restrictions that they can't actually give you very interesting health insights pay half the price get the ancestry package then from that you. You go onto their 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 uh, portal and you do what's called downloading your raw data. It's going to download a file onto your computer with all the data from the test. And there's other sites that you can pay a very small amount of money, ranging from like twelve to twenty five dollars. A more advanced one is called Prometheus, and um, a, a more user friendly one is Found My Fitness from Rhonda Patrick. She has a great program, and you upload your data there, and you get a report with a ton of really interesting health insights in a way that's super easy to understand. And this is for less than a couple hundred dollars and maybe even like less than $150. I have to you know, double check the wow. latest pricing, but this can help you understand so much about you as a unique individual and what's going to work for you versus what works for somebody else. Because there's so much variation between us amazing human beings. There's for example, a a supplement that could work amazing for you could be my kryptonite, and I wouldn't know except for having experienced it firsthand. And and for example, in in our case, uh, that could be coffee. For example, so I have a, mm. a gene that makes me feel amazing if I have coffee. I feel amazing like on top of the world for about twelve hours, and then I'm super sad for like a week afterwards. It's totally my kryptonite. But for you, maybe coffee is a total superfood and you love the the cognitive enhancement benefits of it and it works perfectly for you and you have no problems. So understanding your genetics and that that touches the the question of how do you know what to do about the cholesterol situation. Understand your genetics. See if it's really going to be a problem for you or not. And make sure your blood sugar is under control because what happens is elevated blood sugar, whether you're pre-diabetic or diabetic or just eating tons of sugar all the time and on this up and down blood sugar roller coaster causes wounds in the heart basically Mm -hmm. this is an oversimplification but it causes wounds in the heart cholesterol comes to patch up those wounds you get a lot of this happening and you get blockages right because too much cholesterol had to come up and try to patch up these wounds that were happening now you're blocking so get blood sugar under control. It's really more and more coming to be the case that cholesterol is only a concern in the context of blood sugar problems. So get your blood sugar under control. You can, for like 10 or $15, buy a a blood sugar test kit, or you can have it done as a part of your, your annual physical to test your fasting blood glucose and your hemoglobin A1C. The fasting blood glucose is an immediate look at where your fasting blood sugar is right now. Hemoglobin A1C looks at the average of what it's been over a period of time, so it can give you a more accurate idea because you could you could trick the fasting blood glucose test and, you know, live really healthy for one day and and trick that. <laughs> but the the hemoglobin A1C, you you got to put in some work to trick that one.
0: Mm-hmm. Lauren had this um it was when underneath her arm and she would throughout the day check in on it to understand oh, yeah, what continuous glucose blood glucose
1: those are amazing if you can get especially <laughs> if you can get your insurance to hook you up with one of those that gives you such a great understanding to see live everything that you're eating and some things that you think may be really good for you maybe putting you on a total blood sugar rocket and then crashing back down afterwards it's literally what she
0: found out because wow. she would eat some oats and she would see the spike and then obviously from the spike following that she'd see the plummet. plummets so was like oh this actually isn't helping healthy for me. Um, we had a similar experience with years ago when we stopped eating. So we went pescatarian for a while. Mm-hmm. And kale became one of our main sources of protein or our main sources of, of nutrients. And they didn't know that it was actually for Lauren, very unhealthy. It yeah. tore up her gut. She was right. eating it consistently. And she didn't know why bloating and everything. And it wasn't until years later, after she didn't know why we're literally eating like kale bowls, kale morning lunch, dinner, like it was an all day thing. But it wasn't until years later that she had a conversation with somebody in the holistic world that helped her understand like you're actually not supposed to be eating kale. It's terrible for you. To your point of if you don't know what doesn't work for you, it's so key. It's so key to go and find out what does work and what doesn't work for you. Had a similar experience myself with um I I bought Viome. Uh, have you heard of Viome? Yes. Yeah, so I went through the vitamin test and I realized that almond milk was not good for me. And here I am, I'm trying to go with an alternative uh, routes to to milk and almond milk was my choice. I had no idea that
1: was terrible for my body.
0: Did so you notice really anything supported. from
1: taking it out or was it more just doing it because you saw it in the test?
0: Um, you know, I didn't really notice anything from once I took it out. But mm-hmm. I think that um, I didn't drink it enough for maybe my body to have a long-term consequence to it. Yeah. But I do... Th- I do notice that when I stopped drinking almond milk and went more into like coconut milk, for example, I, I do feel lighter. There's a sense of, of lightness to my
1: stomach. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's important to yeah. pay attention to those feelings. Yeah, that's great absolutely
0: absolutely so let's let's explore with it with with addictive wellness because we just had this long conversation specifically around health and all the different facets and again if you are just diving into this conversation go check out more of sage's content because he has some amazing information his instagram's also packed with value which is something i appreciate a lot about you. Sage. Thank the you. the value you consistently share like this is a lot of this information has taken you years hours i would imagine also resources regarding money wise to to obtain for you to go out there and share with the world so thank you for doing so um let's explore get to wellness how can let's say with with someone that is looking to maybe shift into a more uh healthier route to let's say chocolate which is one of the main products that you offer how could i as a consumer start to use your products in the easiest way that's going to best support me and what i'm looking for
1: that's one of my favorite things about having a chocolate business. It usually doesn't take too much explanation. You hand somebody a bar of chocolate, they generally know what to do with it. <laughs> it's not like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we sell, like these herbal extracts that you, you got to experiment with. And people we can put them in different smoothies or mix them with hot water. But with chocolate, you just eat it and enjoy it. We've created a line of different chocolates. And instead of having different chocolate flavors, we have different functions because we really wanted to highlight these adaptogenic tonic herbs that I'm so passionate about. So we have one for energy, one for beauty, one for tranquility. Um, There's immunity, recharge, love, focus. um, And then we have one without herbs for people, um, especially for pregnant and breastfeeding women um, who don't wanna consume these herbs and just wanna keep it real simple, but also people who just, uh, I don't wanna deal with herbs right now, let me just have an amazing ultra healthy chocolate. (laughs) And the cacao that we use is really special. It's a wild-grown heirloom cacao from Ecuador. It's not grown on a farm. It's actually wild-harvested from trees that are between 20 and 80 years old. And it's processed very carefully. So it's free of mycotoxins, which are a mold toxin that's present in almost all chocolate products. And uh, it's super nutritious. So when you talk about cacao, it's the highest natural source of magnesium, very high in chromium, zinc, iron, super high in antioxidants um, actually beyond any other food it's the number one source and so this you, you see which function inspires you the most and gets you the most excited and give that a try as with everything i've talked about today it i i totally understand it can be pretty overwhelming we've covered so many different areas we've talked about so many different supplements and herbs if you just pick out one thing from today that you do differently whether it's Um, changing the light on your phone at night, or whether it's trying reishi mushroom, or whether it's trying one of these bars of chocolate, just do one thing and see what else comes from there. Just get the ball rolling in a positive direction and see, um, sorry to mix metaphors, but let the dominoes fall and, and let one thing lead to another thing, but you just gotta start with one thing first. You know, it's it's and
0: it's such a key point. I think a lot of people, they want to bite the whole burger in one bite. And because of that, they don't take that first action. But it's just one small action. I always say that if one habit will affect the other, literally what you just said. 100%. So if you are in that space where you may be feeling overwhelmed, just one small action and one small action over a period of time, because, and maybe you can touch deeper on this age, if, if I can take an action, maybe for a day and expect the results, maybe for a week and expect the results and I don't get them and I stop doing them, the impact on the long term could be much bigger. So for with with what you specialize in and what we just spoke about today, would you recommend that I give myself a test of, let's say, 30 days before I try something new? Or like how would you recommend for someone to just go and experiment with the different
1: modalities that we spoke about? It's a great question. And a lot of people will experience something the first time they try something new it can be a magic experience you can experience a shift in your biology. I know the first time for example that I tried reishi mushroom was a total game changer. I felt things I'd never felt before. But it's not the case in 100% of people. It can vary, you know, people's initial reactions to things can vary based on quite a few different factors. But when you look at studies done on these things, whether it's different lifestyle practices with regards to to sleep or taking an herb or taking a supplement, when you look at the studies, they're generally done over a period of four to 12 weeks. So I would say at least very minimum, give yourself a month of any new health practice before you come to a final conclusion. Maybe you see results on day one, amazing. I'm super stoked for you. But if you don't see results after the first couple of days, stick with it and, and give it a fair shot because you don't want to miss out on something that could have incredible long-term benefit. For you, because you got impatient after two or three days. Hmm. Patience, yeah,
0: patience. We humans are so funny. Like the longevity game; it's a long-term game. You want to experience
1: a lot of life, you got to be ready to to be here for a while. Yeah, I was having a conversation about this with somebody
0: older over um, Christmas, and they were talking about how these things that we try, and that's how that's how they refer to them. These things that we do, you have to do them for such a long period of time before you get the results. And they can just go and take this thing, and it gives them that immediate result. Um, but we don't realize that the emitted result is actually just a band aid. It's not necessarily actually preventing the challenge from happening. It's just putting blockage on it and rinse and repeat over and over again, which obviously has an impact on the gut. And we didn't touch much, much about that. But there's there's just so much that we can as humans do right now in the world of today that can prevent any future illness. A lot of people say it's too expensive to, to buy organic food. Okay. Totally get it. Especially in the climate that we're in socioeconomically, it may be higher than before. Totally get it. Um, but what is the impact of not doing so?
1: Chemotherapy right. and, and is going to be and a lot even, more expensive
0: like, on your emotions than sh- your money, sure. and food.
1: And worst case scenario, like let's say you absolutely cannot afford organic food. Okay. Look up online and, find the dirty dozen and the clean 15. These are lists of the, the 12 foods that have the most pesticides used on them. Avoid those if you can't get them organic. The clean 15 are ones that they don't really use much pesticides on anyways. Um, an, an example would be like avocados. If you can't afford an organic avocado, a conventional one is gonna be pretty okay. Mm,
0: mm, so good, so good. Again, Lauren, I was with us. She's actually in Ecuador. How did you how did you source your, or, or how did you find the, the farm that you're working with in Ecuador?
1: Uh, So from being in the the health world since a young age, I had the good fortune to make some really amazing connections. Um, And and somebody I met that I I met about, I don't know, maybe 17 years ago or so was a gentleman who in Ecuador specializes in pulling together cacao from these wild lands. And so he works with a, a network of indigenous people who have access to these, these wild lands basically where cacao trees are just growing naturally and they, they mm-hmm. harvest it, they bring it back to a central place. Um, and the cool there's a couple of cool things about this. One, by being wild harvested, it's essentially incentivizing the local people to protect that natural environment. You hear about so many disincentives to protect it in terms of mm-hmm. the money that can be made by cutting down the rainforest. Here, we're actually saying, here's a, a super cacao that's growing there. You can make money from bringing it back, and not only that, you'll be paid a major premium for this cacao because it's the highest quality. Less than 0.1% of cacao in the world is this special. Wow, wow,
0: and it tastes it. I mean, it tastes right. completely completely different. Ah, I'm so glad I you will attest to that, for sure, for sure. And I thank you, man, I thank you for doing that. I'm coming up from Colombia with family that still has farms to this day, you're giving people an opportunity to live life, maybe in a way that they couldn't before. I know that there's uh, somebody in my family who does some export work with somebody else in, in, through similar conversations like this in regards to, to food, and it's given them a whole new perspective of life just from that. So it's a beautiful thing. Thank you for doing so. I imagine that the family that you're working with has been touched in many ways, and that means a lot to me coming from that part of the world.
1: Absolutely. It's such a a blessing to Mm -hmm. be able to do business where you connect with people in all areas of the world, whether it's, you know, in South America or China or Thailand, we, you know, uh, it's, it's so cool to be able to bridge these friendships with people who you, you know, you may never have had a regular communication with otherwise. And it just makes the whole world feel like a smaller place. It's fun.
0: For sure. And and on a total switch of context and conversation, that's what business can has the potential to do to enrich everybody that it touches and Everybody that is doing business in an ethical way can actually all win. I think that a lot of us in the Western culture focus so much on profit that we don't realize that. What is the cost of the profit or how could we better bring value to the marketplace if we work with people that have direct connection to the products that we're looking to create more of? It's a beautiful thing, Sage. Thank you, brother. I Thank appreciate you. you greatly. Thank you so, so much. I really with, this. With Addictive Wellness, what's the mission for it? What's the, what's the, what, what's the vision? Where do you see it going?
1: I want as many people as possible to be able to experience the highest quality herbs and the change that, that it can bring to their life. I want as, also these people to be able to experience the highest quality cacao, and and the magic that that brings as well. Not only in terms of your your health on deep levels, but also just in your in your feeling and the smile it puts onto your face. I love when people have a really good bar of chocolate. the the light that opens up in their eyes right away. <laughs> and they say, "Wow, this is really good." You know, I love I love that little slice of life. It's a rare thing that you can have something that is so crave worthy and also is massively beneficial for you. So yeah, that's, that's my my hope and dream there to basically benefit as many people as possible and build a beautiful, sustainable company in the process. Beautiful brother. Beautiful. For all
0: listening, down below in the show notes, you'll be able to see a link that you can go directly to the website and choose some. If you want to get more information on everything addictive on this ask. because it's not just chocolates like Sage has spoken of, go to the website, check them out. We'll learn more from Sage. Again, this conversation is just a small percentage of what the man has to offer. Um, and this is a beautiful time to be alive in this time, to understand the different modalities, the different tools to equip ourselves, which what is going to give us some long-term sustainable living, And most importantly, to be able to pass that on to future generations, because our kids and their kids' kids are going to be living their life, depending on how we live ours. So if we can really set up a powerful example for them. That's how we can have the best ability for sustainable living here on planet Earth. Sage, thank you so much, my friend. Such a pleasure. Thank you. Looking forward to doing it again. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to follow, like, and subscribe to stay updated on future episodes. And we would love to know how you enjoyed today's episode by leaving us a review. We look forward to
1: continuing this journey of self-discovery and connection with you, and we'll see you on the next episode. Much love.